Welcome to the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. Each week, you'll hear testimonies that turned failures into hope, despair into inspiration, and darkness into light, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to overcome obstacles that can detour our Christian walk. Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now here's your host, the Gospel Girl, Tammy Becker. A person who has no place in their society or in a particular group because the society or group refuses to accept them. That is the definition according to Cambridge English Dictionary, of Outcast. Hi everyone, this is Tammy Becker. Welcome to the Almighty God and Gospel Girl Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Lord and I have been studying Luke. He's had it on my plate for a while and it's been a fascinating study as many if you've been if you've studied the book of Luke before you know that it's one of the gospels one of the four gospels the third gospel in the new testament and Luke was written by Dr. Luke and he was actually writing this book and acts to this mysterious man by the name of Theophilus, who he was trying to explain, like, you know, the Christian religion. And so he was um, doing all this research and writing to this mysterious man. But what is wonderful about the book of Luke is it really tells the stories of Jesus and what he did in his ministry, who he hung out with. I mean, no one was off limits. You know, he didn't hang out with the rich. He didn't hang out with, he he loved the people that were considered outcasts. He went to the people in the streets. I mean, when we think about this whole ministry of his, we should model ourselves after Jesus day in and day out, just like the Bible tells us. I mean, it's a beautiful walk through Jesus' story. I just love, Luke has so many life lessons for us that we can take with us. I mean, he starts, you know, he talks about the shepherds at the crib in guarding the flocks in, in Luke 2, 8. And then he talks about Jesus when he was 12 years old and going into, you know, Jerusalem and answering questions. And teaching religious and sitting among religious leaders at the age of 12. And this is fascinating because 
we only see two pieces of Jesus's childhood in the whole Bible, when he was born and when he was 12. The next time we hear something about him is when he was 30. But Luke puts that piece of information in there. We follow Jesus through when he comes to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, and he went his usual way to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. And that's in Luke four sixteen. Now, Jesus was a relative to John the Baptist, and John baptizes him. And then this is when we see that Jesus begins his ministry, and he starts traveling as a rabbi who visits synagogues throughout his entire home region of Galilee. And what is now like the northern region of Israel. So he quickly earns like his name as like a miracle worker, you know, and a conversational teacher. But he returns to his hometown of Nazareth, which is a day's walk from where he's been doing his ministry. And he is visiting a rabbi. And he takes part in the Sabbath worship services there. And it includes different readings and different part of the Jewish scriptures and a sermon and singing. And the oldest writings accounts of this Jewish service confirms that it reflects that the worship in Jesus' name, it's, it's that they chose to read from Isaiah 61 or some kind of a, a the passage that on that was next on that weekly schedule but boldly Jesus says that he is that messiah he is that anointed messenger the one that is to bring the good news to the poor. So can you imagine that they, the, his people were anticipating someone. And he's here, here he's in his own hometown. And there he's telling them that he is the messenger boldly. Boldly, he's standing up. I am the messenger. I am the Messiah. In that very same town in Nazareth. But because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them. Except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So by the time uh, this uh, Sabbath Sabbath service is over. Jesus apparently knows that the people lack faith. So he refuses, pretty basically refuses to do any more miracles. And he refuses with a warning that sounds like an insult. He says that there, there, there's plenty of needy Jews in the days of Elijah and Elijah. Yet Elijah helped a starving widow in what is now Lebanon. And Elijah healed a Syrian leper. So in other words, 
Jesus is implying that Gentiles are more worthy of God's help than the Jews are. So they're furious at this time. The worshipers decide to stone him to death. But instead of throwing stones at him, they're going to throw him at the stones. They'll pitch him off one of the cliffs in the area. But Jesus slips out of the rioting crowd and he returns to Capernaum. So, yeah, can you imagine? This is what, what we would say, like Nazareth cliff, cliff diving, which would be a pretty steep cliff. You can find that verse, though, in Luke 7, 7, that says, I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. This is where he's talking about a Roman with more faith than a Jew. So this is like Luke is going ahead and he's continuing to build up a case for the value of the non-Jews. So Jesus has gone and he's left his home now. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So now he's come across a Roman soldier who's Faith leaves him amazed. The soldier then, he has a servant who is dying. And Jesus has probably performed many miracles in and around Capernaum. So the soldier hopes Jesus will help him, you know. And so there, but there's a problem. The soldier is a Gentile and he knows that some rabbis avoid contact with the non-Jews. In fact, the Gentiles were considered the they considered the gentiles ritually ritually unclean but that means as far as the rabbis are concerned if a jew touches a gentile or even steps in a gentile's home the jew has to go through this cleansing ritual before worshiping god at the temple and whatnot so rather than risk offending jesus the soldier sends messengers so jewish leaders in the city okay so if anyone And then this is a quote. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they tell Jesus, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Luke 7, 4 to 5. So it's probably the same synagogue that the archaeologists found just like a few feet away from what seems to have been Peter's house. Christians later built a church over the ruins of Peter's home right next door to that synagogue. So anyway, Jesus agrees to help, but once the soldiers learn of it, he sends another delegation there. Uh, These messengers tell Jesus that the soldier doesn't feel worthy of hosting Jesus in his home. So he asks Jesus to simply give the healing order from where he is. And just as a commander gives an order to his subordinates, he says, quote, my servant will be healed. The soldier says, I know this. So, astonished, Jesus turns to the crowd and says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. That is in Luke 7, 9. So, coming from a rabbi, that's quite a compliment for a Gentile and quite a put down for the Jews. So, we see that here Jesus is He's gone a, he's 
gone away from the Jews. He's performed a miracle. And he's saying that this Gentile has so much faith that he has not seen. So something out of the ordinary right there. Okay, what about this one? What about this one? In Luke 8, 24. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. So in this story, as we know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell the story in the Gospels. I mean, healing people is one thing in Jesus' day. Like today, it's like not unheard of for sick people to suddenly get well. But who heard of a miraculous weatherman who could actually do something about the weather? So certainly not the disciples. That's why this miracle catches their attention. So Jesus, then he decides to leave Capernaum in a village located to the south of Galilee, North Shore. And he plans to sail to the garrison region across the lake. Now, um, when I was reading, Bible experts weren't sure exactly where this is. So, But nearly half of the disciples were experienced fishermen. So the question is how they could have gotten themselves into this fix caught like in a life-threatening storm on a lake that they've been fishing like all of their lives. But this is an unusual lake, seemingly tailored, made for sudden storms. So it sits like a bowl on the edge of a desert, buried deep in the dirt, um, 700 feet below sea level. And as the sun bears down, what I what I was reading, as the sun bears down, on it evaporating the surface water like it becomes muggy and moist and causing like heat to rise and then the cool breezes kind of lie to the east so depending on which way the wind was blowing this cool air would pour in from the mediterranean sea rolling down on the Galilean valleys and crashing into that hot air lifting up from the lake but that's from what I understand I'm no weather person but that's like a perfect prescription for an instant storm which can turn the waves like six feet high and so what do they do they ask Jesus to do something about the weather and Jesus must be so exhausted because he keeps on sleeping in the middle of the storm, just right up until he hears the alarm. Master, master, we're going to drown in Luke 8, 24. So Jesus wakes up and shows the disciples that he's like more than the master of men. Silence, be still, he says, addressing at the storm. Uh, and that's in Mark 4. 39. So he goes ahead and he addresses the disciples in Luke 8, 25. Where is your faith? So they're saying that this band of brothers, Jews, each one still can't muster faith the size of a mustard seed. That's Luke's implication. Even witnessing Jesus stopping a storm won't produce the miracle of faith 
within them. It takes the mother of all miracles to do that, which is going to be the resurrection. So see, it's just he the way that Luke writes and builds all of these stories. So then, okay, this this next story is one that all of us women can relate to. And it's, I just love this story because it's such a story of faith for women. This poor woman, Luke 8, 43, suffered. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years and constant bleeding and she could find no cure. So she, this woman would have her menstrual period for years and it just endured a just dozens of years and uh, just bleeding. And she went to doctors and spent all of her money on everything that she could to try to get healed. And nothing was happening. Nothing, nothing was healing her. So in Jesus's day, a woman, when when she was having her menses, it was considered ritually unclean. So they weren't like allowed to be in public. In fact, there was even a thing way back called the red tent where the women went during that time. There was a red tent. So they, she was considered unclean, but Here's what happened. Here's what happened. She works her way through the crowd and manages. She doesn't care. She goes out knowing that she's unclean. Not supposed to be out in the crowd. That it's just something you just do not do at that time, in that that place and time. But makes her way through the crowd and manages she she knows in her heart if she could just touch the garment, the fringe of Jesus's robe, she believes with all her heart that touching the holy man, just even his robe that works miracles, that she could be healed. And you know what? She was right. Right away, the bleeding stops. Jesus feels healing energy flow and he asks, who touched him? So she's Imagine she's terrified and trembling and the wo- the woman is probably afraid to admit what she did, but she seems even more afraid of telling a lie to this holy man. She tells the truth. She confesses, explaining her problem in front of the entire crowd during a time when she's unclean and not supposed to be in the crowd. This means she was she's going to be Add the humiliation to what she was already feeling, I guess is what I'm saying. So perhaps that's why Jesus responded the way he does. Daughter, oh my gosh, my heart. Daughter, what single word could have put her more at ease and quickly? I mean, that just touches me so much. Your faith has made you well, he says. Go in peace. Mark 5, 34. So Jesus is just shaping up to be anything but a typical Jewish rabbi. He goes against every grain that human people have set up. You know, they've made traditions. They've gone and done their own ways, made their own things. 
Jesus is showing us. Jesus is telling us and showing us how we should be in our lives. We should be, we, maybe we're the outcast, but we should be, we should be in the trenches. We should be out with the homeless. We should be helping them. We should be with our vets. We should be with our people in the nursing homes. We should be with the people that have mental disorders or the people that um, are developmentally disabled. We we need to be with everyone. We need to be with people that are tormented with their sexual uh, orientations. And we need to, need to love one another because we need to be with the prostitutes and all of this because God loves us all. We're all brothers and sisters. This is what he did. This is what he wants. It, we're not to live in that old testimony part where it says an eye for an eye. We're to live in the new testimony part where Paul says, Paul says that we're to do better each day and try to love one another better each day and not do an eye for an eye, but to lift each other up and be brothers and sisters in Christ. Then we see the good Samaritan in Luke 10, 33 to 34. A despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan in response to one of the most important questions of all. When he's asked in Luke 10, 25, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? The question, which is a popular one of the day, showing up in ancient Jewish writings, is a test from a Jewish scholar. He wants to know if Jesus agrees with the other rabbis. And Jesus answers with a kosher response, quoting what many Jews believe are the two most important commandments. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's so hard in today's world when we look around us and we see everything, all the bad going on in the world. I mean, what used to be bad is now good in the world. And what used to be good is now bad. I mean, us Christians are getting persecuted right here in the United States. What used to be in third world countries. We can't even post about Christianity on social media anymore. Our posts are getting taken down. We are turning away. Our whole world is turning away from God, just like Revelation said. Revelation, the Revelation, the book of Revelation says this is what's going to happen as we get close to the end time. As we round that corner, no one is safe. 
No family member safe, no brother, no sister, no one is safe. Because it says in the book of Revelation that a lot of our friends, a lot of our family members who have accepted God are still not going to make it to heaven because they will turn in the last days. They will not stand firm on the book of the Lord, on the Bible, on the good word. Friends, I beg you, I beg you, there's an urgency. There's an urgency right now that we need to stand up for our faith. We need to stand up for our Christianity. We need to spread the word. We need to make sure everybody makes it. God, I've I've told you over and over that he's placed urgency on my heart. It's a heavy, heavy burden because every week that I come to you, I know I say this over and over, but I have such a burden for everyone. I don't want anyone left behind. It just tears me up. So, I want to leave you with one more story in Luke because then it gets close to the crucifixion. But the last story is about the tax man under the, up the tree, Zacchaeus. And I probably said that wrong, but he was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich, Luke 19, 2. So, on Jesus' way to Jerusalem, he comes to this uh, little oasis town of Jericho. It's like, it's a pretty thriving town. Uh, it's known year-round for like fruits and vegetables. And he has about, I think it's about another 20 miles or so to go. Anyway, Zach, Zacchaeus lives in the crossroads near this town what is now Israel's eastern border, which is a few miles from the Jordan River. So he's in charge of collecting the taxes throughout the region, including the tolls for the produce and the other goods that are um, taken in and out of the city. So apparently, like, he won the bid at that time to collect the taxes from all his fellow Jews and then uh, agreed to give it to Rome the tax that's required. So the Jews hated tax collectors because they collaborated with the Roman occupiers. And that's just how it was. So anyway, Zacchaeus wanted to catch a look, so to say. He wanted to see a look at the notable visitor, if you will. Uh, but he couldn't see over the crowds, so he climbed up a tree. But Jesus spots him. So Jesus uh, calls him out and says, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. You can find that in Luke 19.5. So and this is what I want to leave you with. The tax collector was an outcast. Instead of avoiding outcasts, Jesus seeks them out. Jesus 
seeks them out. Like a rabbi looking for trouble. That's how most Jews saw it or see it. But not Jesus. He says in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. If I can leave you with anything today, that's our job. To seek and save those who are lost. If you read, if you're not a fan, if it's hard for you to read, I implore you, take the book of Luke. Read the book of Luke because you're going to get so many life lessons and value from it that can help you in your day-to-day walk with the Lord. I would say, take one book, take Luke. Because if you're to be like anything in your life whatsoever, be like Jesus. Instead of avoiding outcasts, seek them out like Jesus. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for joining me and the Lord in this episode that I've titled Outcasts. I hope that you enjoyed going through a little review of the book of Luke. It was kind of fun. It was fun. And uh, I hope you join us back here next week for another episode. And just remember that God loves you guys. God loves you. And if you're facing a hard time, know that you could go to him in prayer. He's waiting. He's willing and he loves you. He's waiting for that relationship. God bless you. Have a fantastic week and I'll see you back next week. This is Tammy Becker. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another weekly episode of the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. If you have a testimony you would like to share with us, please contact us through our website at youministries.com. That's Y-O-U-Ministries.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.